What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of with your boy, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock. I'm in the house today with a former guest of, I was a former guest on his show, I should say, Casey Jaycox. He's uh, winning the Relationship LLC, founder, sales and leadership coaching. He's the author of Win the Relationship, Not the Deal, which is just now getting ready to have the audio version come out. And he also hosts the Quarterback Dad Cast podcast, which I was a guest on uh, a few months back. So I wanted to return the favor and have him on what he made up to find out what he's made of, what ingredients have gone into making the quarterback dad. So without further ado, Casey, welcome to the show. C-Rock, I'm honored, man. I'm honored to, we're turning the mics around. I'm, I'm at, uh, I got to follow your lead now. So thank you for having me on. Yeah, let's go, man. Well, I'm going to make you cry on my show because I always make my guests cry and get emotional. So just get ready. No, I'm just kidding. Let's sometimes go. it happens. But the thing about it is sometimes, in, and we start this show off with this question, what are you made of, which I'll ask you in a second. But when we do this, we dig deep, man. And sometimes when you go deep into people's lives and find out what the ingredients have gone into making them, sometimes you know it strikes a chord. So I, it's a very intriguing question, if I do say so myself, after doing 100 and maybe close to 200 episodes now. Wow. So- Casey, what are you made of? Definitely sarcasm. I'm definitely made of sarcasm. No, joking aside. I, I'm made of, um, I'm very blessed to be made of humility, grit, resilience, and drive. And I can think of many flashpoints that articulate those words. As former college quarterback, don't make him go down Uncle Rico, pulling dynamite path right there, but it's always about the team. I'm made of that. I'm always made of we're all replaceable. I can be gone tomorrow, which I have flashpoints that, that make me think of that. So I'll stop there because that's a lot. Well, you know, I used to think that, by the way, I'm going to argue with you a little bit here. We're all replaceable. You know, I think to an extent that people are, and it is all about the team, but I think there's also a fine line there with realizing that we're individuals and there's nobody like you. Sure. So, I, I agree. Yeah. So I like to dig a little deeper there because I think some people have a problem with not speaking the truth about themselves, being too humble. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I was just reading something about this the other day, and it's funny you said that, but like, if you compliment someone, a lot of times they're like, oh no, you know, or, oh, that little thing or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. whatever it is. And, you know, sometimes it's okay to say, you know what? Yeah, damn right. I'm, I'm good at that. Like yeah. tell them the truth. And we lie to ourselves sometimes. I don't even know how I got off on that, but no, I was just okay. reading something about that. And I thought it was so, uh, so powerful. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey man, I'm individual. I'm an individual. I am, there's nobody like me and I'm, I'm pretty damn good. I think we're saying the same thing. Like I, when you say that, you made me think of a quote someone shared with me. He said, it's a, you, the number one reason to be yourself is because everybody else is already taken. I get that. I'm definitely proud of what I do. I'm proud of what I've accomplished, proud of what I've done in life. I think when I think when I say the word replaceable, I mean, I think about where I came from corporate. I was the number one rep 10 years straight nationally, firm's all-time leading salesperson. They're still in business. That's what I mean by replaceable. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, I, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what did so, you sell? What was that that you were selling? I sold staffing consulting services. 
kind of moved in from more, it was more of a really a transactional model my first couple of years of my career. And then quickly found out that if you, the questions you ask can quickly differentiate the service offering and the experience you provide for your client. And so I moved in more like project-based work and did that for 20 years and then left in March of 2019 to go down this entrepreneurial journey. Gotcha. Now we'll get into what made you the best in a minute. But before we do that, I want to get into your story a little bit. So take us back as far back as you want to. But what are the ingredients that have gone into making you experience-wise and like you said, flashpoints? Give us some stories, man. I'm going to tell an embarrassing story, a good one from when I was 11 years old. And I'll tell one about high school that shaped who I am today. So 11 years old, first time I played all sports growing up. When I was 11 years old, I played first time fast pitch baseball. And the dude that was throwing, I swear, looked like Randy Johnson. (laughs) He looked like seven feet tall. He threw like 600 miles an hour. And I didn't know where this thing was going. And I was like, oh, hell no. Hell no. And I remember getting in there and somehow got a walk and I got to first base. I'm like, there's not a chance. And you know what? I'm getting in that box again. I was so scared. And I remember, I, so I go to my coach. I'm like, coach, man, my stomach's off. You know, I full on fake the stomach ache. <laughs> and uh, get in the car right home. And my mom's like, man, you all right? I'm like, what are you talking about? Like your stomach's feeling like, oh, mom, I, I faked it. And she said, you, you did what? And I was like, uh-oh, that feeling of you're getting about to get called out. And I, my mom goes, well, okay, when we get home, here's what's going to happen. You're calling the coach to tell him what happened. What do you mean? He says, you're going to call the coach and own up what you just told me. Now I'm 45, man. This is 34 years ago. And I still remember it. And I called the coach and he was like, wow, I'm disappointed, Casey. But I appreciate the, the courage it took to make the phone call. Now we'll make this go away when you uh, tell your teammates on Tuesday night at practice. So moments like that about accountability, about <laughs> you know, like owning your you know what, and you can't, you got to face the music. The other story I like sharing is uh, my junior year in high school, I was a skinny, looked like a pumpkin on a toothpick, Beetlejuice. And it's amazing when people speak truth into you. And so Lita says, leaders, there's leaders listening to this. Like so much that you can accomplish when you speak truth into people and, and help them see what they don't see. And my high school football coach said, Casey, you got a chance to be our starting quarterback, but here's what you got to do. Like lift, all these, all these lifts. And, and I was like, you sure you got the right dude? And like, really? Because there was a guy I was competing with that was bigger, faster, stronger. He ended up playing for the Yankees, like AAA farm. He was like just a stud athlete. I was just more cerebral, better leader. And I end up in this tight quarterback battle. Like that next week, I was up at 5.30 in the morning with a lineman lifting Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning. In the afternoon, I'm lifting. Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm throwing the football to anybody. I play quarterback, whether I'll throw the band, my sister, mom, dad, I don't care who, someone's running routes for me. Well, we go in this tight battle all year, get to the summer, keep competing, fall camp, keep competing. We don't, the week, first game, we don't know who's starting. And I'm I'm stretching. And I remember, you know, leaning over whatever. Phil tapped my shoulder. It's, it's Coach Osborne. He's like, Casey, you ready to be our starter this week? And I remember this just sheer joy of like accomplishment. Like I put so much drive. I'd, that's what I learned about visionary goal, like making your goals visible, telling people about them, accountability. We ended up having a decent year that year. Um, nothing too much. Shane, that guy that I ended up beating out, didn't, didn't play. Now we go into uh, my senior year and I have it. I got, you know, we're excited about the year. Shane's now moving to tight end. I go to this University of Washington football camp. And in this camp, I went with my friend who I'm thinking, now oh, let's see how I do. Not going there for recruiting, just to, I wanted to see how I'd play with better athletes. Yeah. Well, my colleague, my, I mean, my teammate, he ends up winning running back at the camp. And the very last award they give out is the most outstanding quarterback at the camp. Now, I am like naive, dude. I'm not thinking, there's got to, I knew I played well, but I was, I was not even at all thinking this is going to be me. Yeah. And sure as you know what, most outstanding quarterback camp, Casey Jaycox. I was like, what? And so I went from not being on the radar to all of a sudden now UW, I, I get, I'll go down the field, Husky Stadium, and the guy goes, all right, here's tickets to all of our home games. You're on our radar now. You need to send us your best game film, but 
between, you know, September, October, November, we're going to be at one of your games, September, October, November, we're not going to tell you. And I went from like being, oh my God, now my confidence is really starting to grow. C-Rock. Mm-hmm. Now we had these things, I don't, if you have them in, out East, but we have these things called jamborees, like a pre-practice, like a practice situational game before the regular season starts. Now we had this against three to three schools. We're rolling, we're playing great. The last play of that jamboree before our season starts, I get put back in for some reason. Lee Wright, 90 reads, still remember the play. Snap slow for whatever reason. The nose guard shoots the gap. His knee gets on top of my right foot. Now I'm stuck. I'm trying to pull out, trying to pull out. Defensive end comes around back, drills him from the back. I felt like the tongue of my shoe exploded. Mm. And I try to get up, take a step, collapse. Trainer comes out. She goes, I think you'll be all right, Casey. Just put some ice on it. You know, typical, no offense to high school trainers out there, but she had no idea what she's talking about. Going to shock. Next thing I know, I'm like, I'm starting to feel tears, starting to feel more pain. My mom's like, dad's like, something's not right. We better take you to the ER just to double check. Get x-rays. Doctor comes out. Casey got bad news. We're going to be in surgery here in an hour. You're done. Broke four bones in my right foot. Didn't play at all. Now I'm just world's ending. I'm depressed. The guy that I watch who I beat out, now he has to play quarterback. The world moves on. This is about the replaceable comment I said a yeah, second yeah. ago. And he went on to take us to the state playoffs first time in 20 years. Broke our single season passing yardage record first time in 20 years and was named second team all league quarterback. Wow. I had to watch. Yeah. Now, as a captain, I was not even remotely acting like a captain. I was selfish. I was hoping he was going to play bad. I was thinking the worst thoughts ever. It was about me. I was selfish. I was, and for whatever reason, after about four games in, something snapped and, and, I, and something in my brain said, This is not BS, dude. You're not going out this way. And I had somehow got the courage to go into my quarterback, made my offensive, sorry, head coach's offense office. And I said, coach, man, I'm embarrassed about my attitude. I'm embarrassed about my emotions. I'm embarrassed about who I am. I'm not a captain. I'm not, I need help. And he's like, I, I am so proud of you. Proud of you had the courage to come tell me this stuff. We're going to figure out a role. I'm like, and I was told I had to kind of chip my shoulder, just being an immature 17 year old. And he's like, what am I going to do? He said, you're going to go up in the booth and you're going to help me call plays. You know, this offense better than I do. And right when he said that, I felt like a vacuum just sucked all that energy out of me. And I remember going down, crutching down the hill to practice after that day. And I remember giving this like intense speech, fired everybody up. And I just called everybody. Out. I said, listen, I better never see anybody giving shitty effort. Pardon me, I'm going to blape that out, getting fired That's up here. Never see anybody. I better not ever see anybody not giving effort because I would be, I'd put a helmet on with a cast and go play. So don't disrespect the coaches, myself. I would, you don't know how lucky you are because it got taken from me without even me knowing it. And so that moment, man, I'll just stop straight there. Like that moment made me realize that we're only as good as the 1440 we get each day, minutes in a day. And so I just, that kept me so grounded. And I think it's like, I equate that journey, that of why I had the success I had in business and sales, because I had to be me, you know, obviously there's more that goes into like, get a listen and follow up and do all the things like that. But like the sheer adversity and drive and putting your mind to something. And I mean, once I went through that and I ended up going on to, in college and it was a three, three-year starter, All-American my senior year, Central Washington University way back in the 90s. Yeah. Feels like forever ago, but yeah, man, I'll stop there. But that, that was, I love telling that story because it just, it keeps me grounded like now today. Just thinking yeah, about it. Yeah. I, I love the story. I was a Will linebacker in college, division three school in Maryland. So, I mean, I was in 95, 96, yeah, 95, 96, those two years. Okay. And I stopped after concussion, but was that the years you played? I like my played, I played, played 96, 97, 98. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So I remember those days we wore leather helmets and no shoulder pads. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Seriously. Well, you know, it's so as a, you'll appreciate this as a Will linebacker. So you, you back in the day, you could, 
I'd throw the ball 1,000, 1,002 and still plant your, ch- your helmet in the middle of my chest, pick me up and body slam me. And it was, it was socially acceptable. Yeah. I would get lit up in quarterback room if I did not step into the throw that you're about to blast me. Yeah. Now it's like two hand touch for quarterbacks. Yeah. Well, we also on a quick slant or something would try to lay out the guy on a quick slant, <laughs> like indefensible. And that was like the best when you laid somebody out like that or blindsided somebody on a block or, you know what I mean? It's uh, it's oh. just totally different, different world now, but it's, you know, obviously better and safer, you know, despite some of the conservative old heads that still like that stuff. I mean, I, I still like it. I just don't know that it's better for the game at the end of the day for people to be safe. But uh, so let's go, let's go into sales though. So what made you so good and to hold the records for, for sales at that company? Like what, let's go for like three things that, that you would say you did that other people didn't do. And that's what made you, do, you know, accomplish what you accomplished. I'm psychotically positive. Psychotically positive. I just, I, it's, it goes back to playing quarterback. If I enter the huddle with positivity, if I enter the huddle making my team believe that we have an op- opportunity to win, I increase everybody's skill set. And so, like, I took that mindset into the, to the, my office. Whenever I, like, I was walking through that office door, helmet goes on, let's compete, let's go with a positive. No matter what's going on in my life, I did not bring that baggage into the office. Um, Two, I never wanted to be that guy that people said, Jaycock, Jaycock. Uh, oh yeah, I think he was good for a little bit, but then I think he's in a van down by the river. I just didn't want to be a has-been. I wanted to be someone that always was constantly improving, led by example, wasn't fully, you know what, like was coachable. And then the other things, I, I did the little things people didn't want to do. I practiced. I role-played a lot that people don't like to do. People like to wing it now, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I lived and died. And this isn't sexy, but I swear, help me. I lived and died by my CRM. I documented everything, Organized. everything yeah. about the customer, everything. And I made it about them because if in sales, I think I'm never selling anything. I just became a curious storyteller. Yeah. I asked great questions because the customer is going to sell themselves. My job is to help them figure out how big a problem they have. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. Not yeah, I mean, th- There's nothing better than being able to have the customer sell themselves and talk themselves into the sale. Yeah. Right? Transformative rather than transactional, right? You mentioned the word transactional earlier. But w- speak of the importance of relationship. I mean, your book's about winning the relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Win the relationship, not the deal. So- when did you start to realize that? Like what stage were you yeah. in sales or is it after or what? No, it, it, I was probably 33, 34 years old. I was in Dallas traveling a bunch and I was down there with our biggest customer and I was helping grow a new team down there. And these guys were like, I was like the big brother, they were the little brother and they were trying to you know, make the big brother proud. And they wanted to, they were so competitive and they wanted to win everything. And they were just so, putting so much pressure on themselves. And I said, listen, guys, I want you to expect to win every deal, but you're not going to win every deal. But I want you to win people. If we, we got to win as many people as we can, we got to have enough people saying great things about our company. I said, so think about it. How can we win a customer when we lose a deal? Blank stare. I said, think about it. Think about it this way. Think about it. We, we sell, we, we lose a staffing opportunity. And I follow up with the customer two weeks later and I say, hey, Mr. Mr. Customer, and thanks for the opportunity to compete. I'm bummed we didn't get picked, but I want to make sure that you got everything out of the consultant you end up hiring from ABC company. And I want to make sure that you know, we're going to put ourselves in a position to compete in the future. We're just something of service to them. The number of times I did that and the person would say, man, Casey, I, I haven't even heard from the company that we chose. Thanks for following up. Yep. Or they'd say, hey, thanks for following up. The guy actually sucks. Is your guy still available? I'm like, yeah, he is. I'd pick up an easy deal that way. 
So I said, it's more important if we win people, deals are going to come. If we're just focusing on a short-term transaction, we're going to be like every other transactional seller out there. So to me, I'm not, and people get confused. It's like, you don't want to win deals. No, I want to win a lot of deals, but I want to win people. And sometimes that might mean convincing the client that we're not the right fit and saying no, which isn't usually unheard of. And see, someone would be like, well, I can't believe you're honest. But I'm like, when did honesty become a, a, a different? I can't believe you're not ethical. <laughs> right. That's what I would say back. <laughs> no, but you know, if you could think about, I always have this image in my head of, you know, like the funnel, like talk about funnels, right? But even before the funnel idea came out with click funnels and all that, just I, I had this like this idea that I was filling something up and I just got to try to fill it up so that it can never be empty. And so whether it's prospects or whatever, I just kept thinking that and then never giving up on a deal. Like I use the word inexorable a lot, which means unyielding, unable to be stopped. Like if I believe that these people are better with me than without me, I, it is my obligation to make sure that happens. Yeah. You know, and I, I love that. I mean, that's what's made me successful in my life. Now, why did you make the transformation or, or, or the, the transition from that sales position there to entrepreneurship and, and uh, into what you're doing now? Yeah. So why, after, well, before transitioning as sales to this, I was in an executive role for three years. End of that three-year run, my, my boss said, Casey, you know, we miss you selling. Her quote was, we miss Jordan selling, not teaching. So I, and at the time of my career, I mean, I, you've, when you've done that for so long, I, I didn't have that driver that put, like, I feel like there was something else calling. And I've had clients, I had one client, she goes, Case, go change the world, man. You're, get out of here. And it, shook, it really shook me, but I was like, what is she talking about? And so all the things I've heard now are becoming clear. And you know, it, most of the time when you leave a company, it can be rocky. I left on amazing terms. I'm still close with a lot of people there, my leadership team. I hope there's a chance for me to come back and consult one day because I think my story is unique and really can help inspire a lot of people about what's possible. After in March 19, I took a few months to get my head right. And I knew that I did not want to write the book when I was still my previous employer. I wanted to do it at a point where I could like have clarity and just 100% focus. So for four months from 9 to 11.30, I wrote every day. Some days I felt like I was Hemingway. Other day I felt like I was Beverly Cleary. Like I couldn't yep, yep. put a sentence together. Yeah, I've been it's there. Nice that, <laughs> well, it's nice that you and I can prove that football guys can put sentences together. So cheers to us, brother. Yeah, that's right. That, 100%, man. Uh, uh, not you know, as dumb I, as we look. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is what you're talking about there. Some people speak your future into you. And sometimes we realize, we don't realize we're playing a small game. We need to be playing a bigger game. We get this feeling that something's not right. It could be anxiety. It could be depression. It could be just a feeling like something's off. And really what it is, is that we're not playing a big enough game. Like we're, we have potential inside of us. We have no idea what the limitation is. We have no idea if there is a limit. And a lot of times we have these artificial things that we're just, this is what our life is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's good to have people like that person, that that client of yours, speak into you and say, "Hey, listen, you know, go go change the world, man." Mm-hmm. And you still have to take that leap. It's still scary, you know. Inside, you're like, "Oh man, I, but I need this paycheck." You know, how did you how did you handle that part as far as the paycheck part? You know, yep. some people get stuck in their job, like especially in the mortgage business, which I run a division for Nations Lending, and that job sometimes, you know, you, it's good money. And if you want to go out and do your own thing, sometimes it's like. How am I going to make this work? You know, I'm, yep. I'm not saving enough money right now. You know, how did you make that transition? Yeah, I think one, I have, a, I have an amazing wife. So who keeps, who's kept me grounded throughout this journey is one thing. Two, we live below our means. We saved forever. We were very, you know, conservative. I mean, we definitely had experiences and, and had a lot of fun, but I never wanted to be one of those people in business or sales that I had to close a deal to pay, make a payment. And so I, when I knew when this was eventually going to happen, that I planned for it and. Someone told me recently, goes, Case, you know what makes you the most dangerous in the room is you got nothing to prove. Meaning that I'm not doing this to close business. I'm not, I'm not like freaking out about this consulting coaching business I'm running now. 
I'm just serving people. I know that might sound simple and it might sound fluffy, but I can tell you, man, life is, I treat life like a boomerang and I'm throwing boomerangs nonstop. Boomerangs of goodwill. I'm serving people of goodwill, not worrying about me at all. People might say that's reckless. People can believe what they want. I can tell you that it's worked for 45 years of life. My business is growing faster than I ever could imagine right now because of focusing on people. I'm living, I'm walking the walk of what my book's about, right? It's about building relationships, serving people, connecting others, finding ways to make them successful. And in, in turn, dude, I got boomerangs coming back at me every day. Yeah. Now you mentioned before we got on in the green room, I call it, um, <laughs> the virtual green room. You mentioned that since the last time we talked, a lot's changed. Like, what are you into now? Like what's going on? Yeah, I just, I have, uh, well, I was in a non compete when we spoke. So I, I couldn't really consult to my industry. I, I, I chose not to just because I, I mean, integrity is super important to me. And I don't like burning bridges because you, you never know when you never, you know. And so since then, I've, I now have seven clients I'm coaching, retainers. I'm working with whether it's CEOs to vice presidents to down to individual contributors, the foundational fundamentals of my book and bringing simple but impactful things to organizations around understanding what problems they solve, how do they solve them, making sure there's clarity around proof, what stories they have, and helping people focus on those things. And then bringing what I define leadership as by is humility plus vulnerability. So helping leaders create psychological safe environments without fear. So sellers are encouraged to mess up, encouraged to practice, encouraged to take those uh, leaps to become the best version of themselves versus this, these 1980s boiler room environments where you're pounding yeah. the phone and getting yelled at. It's like, yeah, yeah. That's not for me. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to ask you too was, uh, shoot, what was it? I had a, I had another question. Um, <laughs> sometimes I get, you know, when people don't realize when you do a podcast, you're listening to the person, you're trying to stay in the moment. And I never write things down. I don't believe in having questions ahead of time. I had a chance to talk to Larry King one time. Oh, and wow. uh, Larry King said he never read the people's books before he had them on the show. Um, he never wrote any questions down. He just went at it. And I was like, yeah, that's me. I like that. So Larry King did it. I'm going to do it. There you um, go. But no, oh, I know what it was. Uh, when you go into consulting or coaching, I have this experience sometimes where I'm like, everybody knows this. I think in my mind, like everybody knows this. And when I was writing my book and I read my book back through the editing process, as you said, you got to read it 50 million times. I'm like, is this really good? Like everybody knows this stuff, don't they? Mm-hmm. Like, do you have that experience when you're coaching consulting? Like how are they missing this? Everybody knows this. And they're going to pay me. They're going to pay me for this. Like, and it seems simple to you. And I'm not trying to sound like all high mighty with this. I'm just saying this is a, you know, a thought that goes through my head. No, I've thought about that often. You, you're hitting a hot button for me right now. I mean, I got hired to a, I spoke to a large real estate firm, uh, 45 agents in person, bunch over zoom on the power of documentation. And they were like blown away by like, you mean like when you, you're going to listen to them and then document what they wrote and then follow up with that piece of information. Oh, it's brilliant. I'm like, oh my God. Like, yeah. It's, it's, that's why it's not common sense. And when you do it, like you, you've been doing this for a long time. When you do it, you, you don't realize how much you know. Right. And it's really had me to slow down to like realize, like, you know, in Trevor Mollod's book, uh, it Takes What It Takes, he talks about unconsciously competent. And there's one of my mentors in my life, he called me the most unconsciously competent person he's ever met. And I said, that doesn't sound good. He's like, no, it's really good. I'm just yeah. going to teach you to become consciously competent, teaching what's in your head. So you have clarity on when and why to speak it, bring it up. So I don't like telling people what to do. I don't like telling them they need to do this. I like asking questions and really help them build their own critical thinking skills. And when that happens, that's when that's the, the gift. But I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't go out to be a coach, man. Coaching found me. Yeah. 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 I, I love that though, man. I'm not the only one. So anyway, final question before I do that, how can people get your book? It's on Amazon. It's on Kindle. It's in paperback within probably the next, I'm not sure when this episode will go out, but we are in June right now. It's 
when this episode, when like, probably within three, four weeks, it's going to be on, on, on Audible. Uh, just search for Win the Relationship, Not the Deal, or my name. You can visit my website at kcjcox.com, or I'm also on LinkedIn if people want to connect with me that way. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's ask the final question. The rocket fuel law that I created, and I've added two recently, by the way, since I wrote the book, but the rocket fuel law is to take everything that stands in your way, setbacks, uh, discouragements, screw-ups of our own, anything that would stop a normal human being or slow them down, store it in your tank instead of your trunk where most people keep it, which weighs you down, and turn it in and convert it into rocket fuel for your future to become unstoppable. Now, I've added something to this. Now, there's a point in life where you cross a line, where you stop using the toxic fuel, your engine is upgraded and you have to put premium in it. And the premium is the things that you see now that you can accomplish, the confidence that you have allows you to see things in the future that you can accomplish and go for it. That pulls you forward, thrusting you forward. Thrust is a must is one of my sayings. So you switch from the, the, the toxic fuel to the clean rocket fuel. But what does that law mean to you? What does that meant to you in your life? I mean, you've told your story, but, but can you give, give me two or three sentences on what does rocket fuel law mean to you? So when you said that, you, you, you made me think of two sayings that I've thought about recently. One would be, do we want to be uncomfortable in the game or comfortable on the sidelines? Uncomfortable in the game or comfortable in the sidelines? And I want to be uncomfortable because that means growth. That means rocket fuel for me. The other thing that came to mind when you were saying that is the, the, I have five swear words that I don't allow people in my life to say. And these are worse than any big F-bomb, brother. Those five words are need to, should to, have to, want to, can't. Those words drive me freaking nuts. Now, what gives me rocket fuel, what gives me thrust as a must is I will. That simple statement, right? I will. Someone's going to do it. Why not me? You talked about it earlier. Love it. Someone was going to be the first African-American president. Why not Barack Obama? Yeah. Someone's going to be the first female president. My daughter, Riley, why not you? Yeah. The story you told yep. him, the story yep. you told me on my podcast at the pier, the walk with your daughter. I yep. still remember that story. Yep. Why not you? Keep going. Yep. To me, it's, this, our minds are so untapped. I tell my kids, it's the biggest muscle we don't exercise enough, even though it's not a muscle. There's so much untapped resource. So for me, man, that's Rockefeller. It's just this constant yearning and growth to explore what's possible up here and what else can I accomplish and what else can I achieve? Because I mean, you and I are, I think you and I are great case studies. We're division two, division three football guys that were proven that that alone gives us grit that division one guys don't have. No yeah, offense yeah. to the D one guys out there. Yeah, they didn't pay us to play. No, we're not on the Sega football game. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, so the funny thing about that, I will thing, I just, we have assignments from our coach and Rich Dolan, shout out to Rich Dolan. I'm speaking on a stage this weekend in Miami, but he's an awesome dude. And uh, he had an assignment this week. What's your passion about? What is your mission? How are you going to profit from it? Yada, yada, yada. I was answering it. And at the end of it, I go, yeah, and I'll, I'll be on TV or movies at some point as well. And I put, I will, <laughs> not, like, not, I want to, I'm going to, uh, I might do this. And it's so funny you said that. I just, I, I intentionally put, I will. So I love that, man. Thanks for coming on the show, Casey. Thank you for having me on your show. And you if there's now. anything you ever need from me, man, just reach out to your boy C-Rock. I'm here for you. And uh, any final words? I just say I'm honored to be on your show, man. Keep doing what you're doing. I love your, uh, I love your passion. I love your intensity. And, and I love that you're, you're being you. So don't change that, man. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Guys, you've been listening to the What Are You Made Of podcast with your boy, the unstoppable Mike Searock and Casey J. Cox, the quarterback dad. Go get that Rocket Fuel book if you haven't gotten it yet. You can read it if you want to on uh, Kindle. I like the hard copy books. I'm, I'm a person that likes to have a book laying around and pick it up and read it, whatever floats your boat. And if you want to listen to the darn thing, you can have that at some point too. But get the book now, MikeSearock.com forward slash book, MikeSearock.com forward slash book. And until next time, be unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? 
Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C. Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. Thank you so much for your support and your listenership. It means the world to me.